In the midst of COVID-19, unemployment, the pandemic of misinformation, and all the problems that we see today, there is one question I have for all of you. And that question is simply this. How is your soul? How is your soul in the midst of all the lies and the malice, pride, arrogance, resentfulness, and greed, and all that we see around us today? How is your soul? If you're feeling anything like me, then your souls are probably drained, and you are feeling exhausted, fed up, disgusted, frustrated, and overwhelmed. And to put it in its most simplest of terms, your soul is probably weary and burdened. Weary and burdened describes conditions of our souls that God never intended for us to experience. Yet those words get at the very heart of what many of us may be feeling today. I don't know about you, but I'm so sick of the news, sick of masks, sick of lies, sick of politics and this president, sick of commercials on television, sometimes even sick of social media that we depend on in many ways. It's almost as if I can never turn off the many voices and the noises in my head and my soul is just weary and burdened. So knowing that we may all be feeling this same way, I thought I would look at what Jesus has to say about the soul that are in these kinds of conditions. So we read in the book of Matthew, and I'll highlight it just the 28th through the 30th verses, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With this text as our foundation, I want to talk specifically today about the condition of our souls and what Jesus promises. And so I have titled this message quite simply, The Yoke of Jesus. The Yoke of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you now that we have come to the preaching hour. Lord, you have heard our worship. You have heard our songs. You have heard our prayers. You have heard all that we had to offer unto you today. Now, Spirit of the living God, let your word now be manifest through this preacher as I preach a message, Lord, that seeks to lift you high and lift it up. For if you be lifted up, you will draw all men and women to you. That is our prayer. So speak, Lord, for your children are listening. Before we begin to get underneath the issue of finding rest for our weary and burdened souls, we need to first understand a few things about the human soul. 
We are first introduced to this idea of the soul back in the book of Genesis, the second chapter and the seventh verse, where we see that when God created man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the text tells us that man became a living soul. Now, now there are five things that we can learn about the soul from the pages of Scripture. The first two, of course, in this passage of Genesis. The first thing we learned about the soul of man was that it was God-breathed, which means God did something for man that he did not do for any of the other creatures that we see around us. That's the first thing. The soul of man is God-breathed. The second thing that we learn is that man, the text tells us, became a living soul, which intuitively, since God did not do this for any of the other creatures, then there is an aliveness, if you will, that man has, a living that man has, which is different and separate and apart from all the creatures of life. Man does not merely have life, but he has a living soul. Now, when we look in the book of 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter and the 23rd verse, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the third thing we can learn about the soul is that the soul of man can be found with blame. Then when we look in the 84th Psalm at the second verse, we read, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So the fourth thing that we can learn about the soul of man is that the soul of man, which is God-breathed, a living thing which can be found blameless, also has a yearning for God. And finally, finally, Psalms 23rd, the 23rd Psalm, David pens probably the most famous of all texts we can find in scriptures talking about the soul. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Here it is. He restores my soul. So the fifth thing we learn about the soul is that the soul can be restored. So putting all that together, here is what you and I can interpret from the pages of Scripture what God or what the Bible wants us to understand about the soul of every human being. This is it. The soul of man, it's a God-breathed living thing that cries out and longs for God after being found with blame and fault to which God in his mercy and his grace can restore. Whatever the condition of your soul might be, the scriptures is letting us know that the yearning and the longing that you have for God because you are found with blame and there are issues going on in your life, all the burdens that I talked about before, what I am telling you unequivocally is that God in his grace and his mercy has the capacity, the ability, and the will to restore your soul. This restoration of the soul is what Jesus offers and it is the means by which you and I are able to obtain rest. So, having understood all of that, 
Let's now talk about this thing called rest and what that actually means. When we think about rest, we need to look at it in essentially two ways. The first is from a natural perspective, and the second is from a theological perspective. The first perspective, which is the natural perspective, is what we call physical rest. The second, which is more theological, is what we call Sabbath rest. Let's look at the first natural perspective, which is physical rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The terms weary and burdened conjures up for us this idea of physical exertion which necessitates us getting some kind of relief. To be weary is to become tired or to display a feeling of being fatigued and to literally be in need of sleep. It also means lacking strength or energy, but it can also refer to being bored or annoyed by something that you've either seen already, heard already, or even have done already. In other words, to be weary is to be weakened in some way. To be burdened, on the other hand, is to literally be carrying a heavy load. So for Jesus to say burdened with the ED attached to it, meaning that it's past tense, he lets us know that there is some external force or someone else that is making us carry a heavy load. So in essence, you are not only weak, fatigued, and tired, but on top of that, you are also carrying a heavy load. This is the image of what it means to be weary and burdened. It is to be tired, and in the midst of being tired, you are also having to carry a heavy load. The burdens that we carry in our weakened state, whether it be our own desires, sin, or disobedience, or even things that are thrust upon us by others, it wearies our minds and our bodies, and it ultimately takes its toll on our souls. This wearying of the soul is often a source of great worry or stress, and it can be emotionally difficult to bear. I know you are hearing what I'm saying. We are wearied by our burdens of financial problems, excessive debt problems, marital problems, health problems, loneliness, mortgage and home foreclosure problems, tax lien problems, employment or lack of employment problems, even problems with our children. But while we know that all these kinds of problems eventually work out to some kind of solution, there are other kinds of burdens that we carry. These burdens are not as obvious as the ones that I just listed. Their solutions don't work out that easily. I'm talking about burdens of things like guilt and shame. Guilt and shame that's caused by growing up fatherless or motherless. Being neglected as a child. Being ignored or passed over. Never quite fitting in. Feeling like you're never heard. Being told you're a good for nothing. Being the victim of some childhood abuse. Being told that you're too ugly or you're, you're too fat. Always being bullied. Feeling like you have nothing to contribute. 
burdens, these kinds of burdens that I'm talking about, tear away at our very souls. Even though you may not even be physically tired or even weary, you're just feeling so overwhelmed and emotionally drained that you feel literally like giving up. So I ask again, as I've gone through this entire, entire passage, how is your soul today? Having understood this whole idea of the physical and emotional burdens that we carry and how it eats away at our souls, here's what Jesus has to say. Jesus now finds you and me today in this weary and burdened state. And Jesus says to us, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. Now, 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 wait a minute here for a second. Is Jesus really serious? Because after all of those burdens that I've just described to you, that I know many of you and many of us are carrying, is Jesus really asking us to take on yet another burden? Look carefully at what he says. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, watch this, rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To me, Jesus seems to be saying to us, take on one more burden. Why on earth would I want to take on another burden with what I'm already carrying? To understand my difficulty with Jesus' words, we need to understand what Jesus means by yoke. What are you talking about, Jesus, when you say yoke? Well, for those who don't know, the yoke is actually this wooden cross piece. It's a, it's a wooden, think of it almost as a wooden bar that is fastened over the neck of two animals. And it's attached to a plow or to a cart that these, these animals are to pull. There's this bar across one animal and the same bar across another animal and it's attached to a cart that they are pulling. The cart they are pulling is difficult as they plow the field. And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Jesus is saying, put on this yoke. And so when this yoke is on these two animals, the yoke allows both animals to work equally hard and not just one animal pulling on that burden by themselves. I know you're hearing me in your spirits. So irrespective though of which direction that one animal may want to go. One animal may decide I want to go to the left or he may decide I want to go to the right. But because the animal is yoked to another animal, they are forced to go in the same direction. They are forced to do things the same way. And as they walk together, one is fighting the other. But over time, as they walk together, you find that they start to walk a little easier. As they walk together, there is a discipline that takes place and there is a unison that is taking place where one is not trying to outdo the other. And again, over time, the beasts become accustomed to the yoke as it molds itself to their body and they're able to increase both their strength, 
their speed and their efficiency at carrying the burden of the field. So, so why would I want to get used to a yoke? The figurative use of the term yoke has this sense of servitude. But attention needs to be given to the book of Lamentations, the third chapter and the 27th verse. Now, I, I want you to stay with me because there's a lot of scriptures here, but I want you to stay with me because it's important for you to understand why Jesus wants to give you his yoke. In the book of Lamentations, the third chapter and the 27th verse, it says, it is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Here it is used to mean a kind of discipline. In other words, when the, when the man or even the animal is young, is the best time to start getting them used to the yoke. Because over time as they grow and they get accustomed to this yoke, it sort of regulates, here it is, regulates their behavior. They start to see the world not for what they think it is, but for what it really is. And the truth of the matter is, when young people, young men especially, aren't yoked when they're young, they grow up to be presidents that have no boundaries. They grow up to see the world according to their ways, not necessarily the ways of the Lord. But then, so, but then Jeremiah in the fifth chapter and the fifth verse, he has got something to say as well about this yoke. He says, so I will go to the leaders and speak to them. Surely they know the way of the Lord, the requirements of their God. But with one accord, they too had broken off the yoke and torn off the bonds. Here from the term, the requirements of their God, we can see that the yoke is a figure of speech for the law of God. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's not trying to give you more burden than you can bear. He's actually, he's actually exchanging the burdens of this world for the yoke that he has. He says, take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn from me. Be disciplined by me. Learn my ways, for my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. But if you learn from me, if you take my way, if you decide to do things not in your own strength, but in my strength, you will find that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is asking us to come unto him and to take upon ourselves his yoke, for his burden is light. Now, this creates for me another problem theologically. Because if it's a burden, how could it possibly be light? It, it, it's an oxymoron, a light burden. If it's a burden, it must be heavy. Otherwise, it can't possibly be a burden. But you see, Jesus' yoke is not a physical one, though it can have physical implications. It is not like any other burden. Jesus' yoke is a form of discipline that causes us to enter now into spiritual rest. Simply put, the law is a burden. And the truth of the matter is, it is enforced by the keepers of the law, the scribes and the Pharisees, bishops and the clergy. It is laws that they heap upon your heads and it become burdensome. But Jesus' yoke is a yoke of pure grace and that's why his yoke is easy. With Jesus, you can always find rest when you exchange the law for his 
grace. And guess what? His grace is sufficient for you. Which brings us to the second perspective of rest, which now is the theological perspective and what we call the Sabbath rest. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The rest that Jesus offers here for your soul and for mine is what we call the Sabbath rest. We're first introduced to this term Sabbath in Genesis 1, where after the sixth day of creation, we are told that God rested on the Sabbath from all his work on the seventh day. There is much debate theologically about what this actually means, and it is not my intent to take on that debate during this sermon. But I will, however, submit this to you, that God did not rest on the Sabbath because he was tired. He didn't rest from all his good work because he was weary and burdened. No, if we look at the word Sabbath as a verb, it, it, it makes sense to mean rest. And in this sense, God rested, or Shabbat, on the seventh day, and thereby making that day holy, he ended up converting Shabbat to Sabbath, which is now a noun, where we get Sabbath day. But Jesus says this, come to me and I will give you rest. Hmm, this is confusing. Because if we use rest as a verb, Jesus should have said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will make you rest. In other words, I will make you lie down and sleep. If Sabbath is a verb, it's an action word, which means you are actively going to lie down and sleep. So Jesus would have said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will make you rest if Sabbath was a verb. But if Sabbath is a noun, Jesus then would have said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will make you rest on this day, meaning a Sabbath day. I will make you rest on a particular day. Let's be clear, church. With all the burdens and the weariness that I talked about earlier, you being emotionally drained, you being fatigued, you struggling with all of the challenges of your past, do you honestly believe that Jesus was telling you that on this particular day, if you rest from all of your burdens, I will make your soul at peace? Do you really think he's talking about it as a noun? Jesus would have said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and you will rest on this day. But he did not use the word rest in either of those ways. This is what Jesus actually said. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Whoa. He's saying, I will give you rest. This means that the rest or the Sabbath that Jesus is talking about is a different kind of rest. This rest that Jesus is talking about is not a verb for you to go take a break or a noun for, for you to take a break on a particular day. No, the rest that Jesus is talking about is himself. 
Why? Because it's something that he gives. Jesus' rest is himself. He is our Sabbath rest. Jesus is the Sabbath. So when you come unto him, all who are weary and heavy laden, and Jesus says, I will give you rest. He is simply telling you that he is who you should rest on. He is the one who will handle all of your issues and your challenges in your soul. Yes, you're going to have mortgage problems. Yes, you're going to have financial problems. Yes, you're going to have the problems of this world. But have no fear, for Jesus says, I have already, what? Overcome the world. He is our rest. He is our Sabbath rest. And when you place all your cares, your worries, your challenges on him, knowing that he only gives good gifts, then you can rest assured that whatever it is that God has for you, it will be for you. You will reach your expected end. You will walk and not grow weary. You shall run and not faint. God is with you. What Jesus offers is not a contrast between a yoke or no yoke, but between his teaching and the current teachings of the world that is around us. Everything we see, misinformation, not only from the news media or even from the government or even from the pulpit in many cases, it is causing you to be more burdened and weary than it needs to. So as a pastor, I am telling you that I am not exempt from issues and challenges and problems. But something happens when I decide to not tell God how bad my problems are. It's when I tell my problems who my God is. And I can cast all of my cares, my burdens, and my worries on him. For he says, learn from him. For he is humble and gentle in heart. He's not like the Pharisees and the scribes. He's not like some church leaders and bishops. He's not like the creditors and the tax collectors. He's not like the White House, the Congress, or even the government. And every one of us who have burdens of coming down on us from rules and laws and demands and regulations, Jesus came to give us the gift of his grace, which is the only thing that can provide rest for a weary soul. So again, the soul of man is a God-breathed, living thing that cries out and longs for God after being found with blame and fault to which God in his mercy and grace can restore. If you find, church, that the cares of this world are weighing you down and is just too much to bear, then you need the yoke of Jesus. If, you, if you're tired of, of, of COVID-19 like many of us are, and, and you're tired of fake news and white supremacy and the killing of the innocent and unarmed black people, and th th then, then you're like me. You need the yoke of Jesus. If you are drained, exhausted, fed up, disgusted, frustrated, and overwhelmed, then you need the yoke 
of Jesus. If you're sick of the news, sick of masks, sick of lies, sick of politics, sick of this president, sick of commercials on TV, even sick of social media sometimes, then you need the yoke of Jesus. And quite frankly, church, if you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you need the yoke of Jesus. Come to Jesus where his grace covers a multitude of sin. Come to Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to Jesus and take his yoke upon you, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come to Jesus and you will find rest for your weary souls. My point in, all this, message, in this message, brothers and sisters, is simply that when you are yoked to Jesus, while you may be in moments of disobedience and struggle, if you are yoked to Jesus, then not only is he helping you carry the burdens of life, but you never, never walk alone. And so today, as you hear this message, if Jesus offers you his cross, do not refuse it. For he will indeed carry the heavy end himself. That's who Jesus is when he died on Calvary's tree. He took on the burdens and the weariness that you and I carry. And he knew these days would come when we would feel almost like giving up. But he says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. He didn't say you have to be Democrat or Republican. He didn't, didn't say you have to be straight or gay. He didn't say any of those things. He says, come to me all who are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. May the Lord richly, richly bless you. My beloved.